Hello everybody, and indeed, welcome to the Eureka 7L mini-talk on Metanorn. This is for episodes 14 and 15. My name is Jero, Vesizzle's here too. Hey. And we also have a guest with us this week. He comes from the anime blog We Remember Love, and also his livestream podcast, Joe's Anime Talk. It's Joe Animated. Hey guys, how are you? Doing great, right. doing great. Great to have you on with us. Thanks for having me. So we got a, a lot to talk about with uh, two big episodes of this series. So let's jump right into episode 14. Start with talking about the new openings and endings. Fosh, you made a video with a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, just going over some of the, the key parts I saw in the video. Like uh, the, the obvious one that came out was a, rent, a shot of Renton you know, from behind. Mm-hmm. See him standing there. Got like gray, a little bit of gray hair, and then you go to a few minutes, more in, seconds into it, you see the uh, like a shadow of a new uh, near boss. Which, if you saw the series, you know, at the end it transformed into a, a third form, mm-hmm. which is like you know gets like a bulky look to it. And even in the the crap movie was a another version of a uh, near boss from that too. Yeah, I saw somebody mentioning the pocket full of rainbows movie and. The nervous from that with the the funnels. Yeah, and it has, has like this big staff weapon in his hand, like and it talks just like the other one. And then somebody, I was like, I was gonna say interesting thing too. They actually um, there was a YouTube video where somebody synced the new opening with one of the openings from the original series, and the timing of the of the the frames in the new opening matches the uh, audio from the one of the previous openings ah, in the original wow. series. So there's definitely some similarities, some syncing. You know that whole keeping things linear kind of approach going on even in openings. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking. Shout out yeah, I'm thinking when Flo did that song, they basically did it just like days from the first season or the first series. When especially with that middle part, like the uh, the music. But uh, oh yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. I thought the music was going to turn to days in, in, in the <laughs> song. I was like, ah, eh, that would have been great. Days so I'm hoping one... for the the single to come out that shows a little something on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that? The art. And the ending, is there anything significant from the ending that's worth addressing? I mean, it's not like a comic book style. Yeah, not really. It's just El and Fjord and uh, Ao hanging on the beach with, with Noah. I think it's just like a bonding thing, like, oh, they're friends and all that. I, thought... I think it's a really enjoyable ending, yeah. though. It's, it's pleasant. It's got some nice color, some mm-hmm. you know, some different some different styles they put into it. It's a really decent ending. Right. Yep. And I really like the choice that Gigi made with putting the the Japanese text in there, sort of oh, like yeah. a comic. I thought that was really good. With the yeah, bubbles. Good. I just kept laughing and watching it. Noah, he's just, yeah, wearing glasses and hamming it up. <laughs> I'm waiting for Noah's. We can go into this maybe later, but Noah's Noah's big impact on the show. You know, he's always doing little things like reading a book, uh-huh. dropping something in Al's lap. Mm-hmm. At some point, he's going to play that. He's going to play a bigger role than just being the, uh, the, the Robin who is Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to accidentally push a button and save the world. Yeah, push yeah, a button exactly. on this and Nirvash <laughs> tra- transforms into like the overpowered mode and kills everything and wins. <laughs> yeah, like, like when Eureka unlocks the uh, the homing lasers on the Nirvash, you're going to see you're going to see you're going to see Noah in there accidentally hit something and unlock the superpower, and all of a sudden. Al becomes the hero, you know? Yeah, just by him, him goofing off. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> I was like, 
What, no credit for me? Come on. And the, yeah, exactly. He's going to start talking. He's going to just give some big plot device thing like, oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the actual episode itself, uh, we'll start with Naru's power from the very start with her traveling. It's more of a dream, but you see her sort of approaching Earth and bringing up all of the, the scub coral. Right. As I call it, you know, take it to time travel. Cause, you know, <laughs> she's pops up in her thoughts and I, don't know, I guess you, like you're saying, it's a dream world, but it kind of gives me a question, like, what what is her power now? She's, she's gained some new ability. Mm-hmm. And scub, I, I've completely forgotten about that image of Eureka from the first series. I'll say what she's done is directly bonded with the scub, so now she almost has this psychic ability to interpret what's being, you know, communicate with has they become bonded in a way. Yeah. You know, so now she's she's reli- she's reliving all these memories and in, in a dream state. Hmm. Because I think it's right after that, that dream that she pops out of the inside of the coral, correct? Yes, right. Yeah, and, and then she's taken the so. so. Yeah. And she's got that these weird hair things. But I thought they were like, her ears or horns or something. I was like but there is hair clips left. Okay, good. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she does act differently when after no our AO meets her again. She's just kind of out of it. Like that's more towards the end anyway. So her role is definitely changing as this kind of stuff occurs. Her bond gets deeper with the the scub because it's going to basically make you know, almost three different powers: the humans, the secrets, and then the scub. And she kind of represents that aspect of things. Yeah, definitely. All right, so in, in the episode 14, there was some more action with the, the two Nervashes up against Truth, and ends up with Truth getting pwned pretty fastly by, by both of them. And he had, he, he had a bit of a chance, but then Elena came in for some interference and, and basically blocked him. Yeah, I don't know. It just like rams him like, oh, wow, that's great. I just kept laughing at his expressions. It's just like, get ready to get for the kill shot. He's like, oh, bam, he smashed like. Annoying <laughs> kids. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he couldn't react fast enough was interesting. Right. Kind of threw him off. Were, yeah, his injuries were so focused elsewhere that he couldn't uh, change course quick enough. Yeah, he wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention. Like, over the open asshole things, out of nowhere, it's hit. It's nice to see that he's not perfect. Right. He's not he's overpowered. Not all, all yeah. yeah. He, he can screw up too. Speaking of that. Yeah, seeing that, he was actually shot by that Japanese special forces, too. Mm-hmm. He actually took a bullet wound to the shoulder right before that. That's true. Just to, just to reiterate what you said, he's definitely not invincible. He's not omnipotent, he's just powerful. Mm-hmm. After that, one of the big surprises was that Al was going to send Eureka off, thinking he was, you know, just bending his mom. And he said, uh, he was saying something to her about having a baby, and then she went, uh, it's a girl, and <laughs> yeah. Al was in total surprise, completely confused. Said the mind blown moment right there. <laughs> at that point, everyone's like, "Oh, you know what's going on? We got the story pretty much set." And then they throw that you know, curveball, and you're like, "What? She's having a girl? That makes no sense." Yeah, and, and then the immediate idea to go to is uh, who who is Eureka's daughter? And something we were talking about pre-show with, with Joe is that. I definitely think it's Elena. I mean, she's the one that was acting the most weird during that whole action sequence, and she definitely seems to have some ties to Eureka and, and maybe whatever era she comes from. Yeah, even that you can 
Erica's name kind of made Elena kind of uh, aggravated. So something with that. There's some, something that she's not telling everybody. Or she mm-hmm. doesn't really remember about Yeah. Yeah, because her definitely that vision we had and uh, yeah, it was in Elena's personal profile. I mean, first I think they did it could be her because they spent an entire episode just focusing on Elena, where they haven't done it with anybody. They haven't even done that with Naru or anybody else. Just, there's this entire episode focused around her and her personality. And then you have the flashback where you see the moon and Bereka and her are flying through the sky. So there's there's something there. They didn't elaborate enough on it, but there's definitely something there. Yeah. Almost like Elmer's, you know, part mad that Bereka abandoned her and left her there. Could be that. I, but I still think Nation doesn't really remember mm. too much about it. I mean, the other option is, is that which would be terrible for the show because then you won't know what side is up, is that the future is changing every time Mareka comes back. Yeah. Al may or may not actually be born anymore. Does that make sense? Or because right. the past has been mm-hmm. changed, they keep Mareka right. now having a girl instead of a boy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, to be honest, that would be the worst possible case is if the, the time paradox starts to just roll in on itself. Mm-hmm. And so every time we encounter... Eureka, future changes, therefore, at that point, I think the show would become almost unbearable to watch because you could be so confused. Mm-hmm. The paradoxes exactly. would just build way too quick. Yeah, maybe they revealed, like, season uh, season one, instead of uh, Renton saving the day, Eureka was the, the hero, and she did all her by herself. Because all we do yeah. the timeline now, the world's messed up. Uh, yeah. That's something Fosh and I mentioned last week, that time travel always tricky in anime, and especially when you're able to make up your own rules or whatever. Because now it kind of seems like a alternate future, not just a future in this series. Yeah. Something I mentioned on my post that if you're ever going to watch a time travel movie, you have to watch the little independent film called Primer. It's a great movie. It, it, it totally helps you appreciate the catastrophe that can happen by time traveling over and over back to the same point and how mm-hmm. multiples of yourself can be walking around and how they impact. It's a very great movie. Not a lot of people have seen it. I definitely recommend people watch All right. it. Is they it like on, on Netflix and stuff? It used to be on Netflix. It, they made it on a $7,000, $10,000 budget. It's a, great, <laughs> it's a great movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But definitely, if you want to get your mind wrapped around paradoxes, Primer is a great way to do it. Sounds good. Any quick notes from episode 14? Any extra things to consider before we move on to 15? 14. How did 14 end again? So they went through the fight. I know you see a shot of, like, Ailes near Vosh, like, I'll beat up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, up. he goes back oh. home, and then he wants to meet with Naru, and he meets with Naru, and then he gets back in the Nervosh, and she's wreaking all kinds of havoc. That's true. She's so she's reached the ability to actually pilot an IFO now, specifically the Nirvash, mm-hmm. which the Nirvashes were locked to supposedly locked to people like Renton or Eureka or even Al because Al carries the bracelet. It kind of ties him back to his mother. Which, as a side note, they haven't brought that bracelet back up again since what the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they continues very to wear it, but they haven't really defined how that links back to things yet again. So that should be interesting as a side note. So it makes you wonder if the Nirvash doesn't just respond to those people, but responds to Corallian or Scub Coral uh, modified DNA. For example, Eureka is half human, half Corallian, which is you know basically a, a Scub Coral in human form. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not really half human, she's all Corallian, which is half Scub Coral, half human. That's probably a better way to put it. But 
you know, Naru's reaching that point where she's having that happen artificially. As the subcoral invades her body, she's kind of being created in that form from the inside out. Yep. Whether that gives her the ability to pilot a ship is a whole other matter. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that she can turn it on and use it is interesting enough. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I, re- I really like that period. I've completely forgotten about the, the bracelet, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah. Because if you remember back when Al first gets on Nirvash 2, not, I guess the second version, but not the red one that Naru has, or the first one that, or the earlier version, the dual-seater. Yeah. When he gets in the single-seater, the bracelet lights up, the thing goes, welcome Eureka, it powers on, mm-hmm. and shoots his way through the ship and flies off. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some correlation to that bracelet and, and the Nirvash, whether it's the new Amida Drive or what, but... That hasn't, I mean, since the first four episodes, we haven't seen anything about that. So there's going to be some key to the, I don't know, you can't just show it and not bring it, not use it, especially this show. Everything is important. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're very carefully throwing things our way. You wouldn't focus on that to ignore it later. Mm-hmm. But they're throwing so much other stuff that, you know, there's probably a lot of things that, you know, I've forgotten, like, especially that part. Um Yeah. Well, for example, Eureka wasn't wearing the bracelet when she came back. Yes. So if if time is really linear and that bracelet is the Amida drive for the new version, then you could say that she was definitely from a period previous to when she came from before. Yeah, I've seen that. I did too. That the, the Eureka that was in 14 was maybe not the right one. It was a different one from a different time zone altogether. Yeah, say say the Eureka that came that had Al, you know, that birthed Al was in time X or time 10. This one could have been from time two years before, right? So and in that world, she has a she has a girl at this point, or just in that world, she's already had a girl. The girl was left behind when she came back pregnant with Al, because she's definitely much older mm-hmm. when she has Al than I mean, appearance wise than when she was pregnant in episode fourteen. So, all right. So jumping on to episode fifteen, as Fosh puts it, the secrets out, yo. <laughs> definitely with a literal sense. It's a- so we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the secrets in a little bit, but uh, Al channeling his inner Shonen Jump character. Yeah, the quote that I want to get stronger to protect my friends type of thing. You've seen it in every show, like I mentioned, with male list, you know, One Piece, Bleach, Fairy Tale, they all have that same type of thing for our main character. I guess it's when they go through the I realize I'm weak, have to get, you know, stronger mm-hmm. type character. Let me ask you this. We've been very high on Al as a character for a while. Are you still are? Yeah, I like. Yeah. I, I, I was like, this is not constantly, you know, complaining about things. You know, like most heroes mm-hmm. and things and shows like that, just they're always giving out some issues yeah. all all the time. Yeah, I saw an interesting point from Guardian Enzo. He said he basically liked every character in Al over any character in Eureka Seven, and I kind of agree with that. I don't know. <laughs> I think the the crew of the Gecko Go was pretty interesting in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some good think... characters in there. I mean, yeah, I like I like Hol- the whole Holland and uh, Renton thing at the beginning is kind of fun, you know. Even yeah, though Holland's like beating crap out of him every two or three episodes, yeah. but well, that yeah, part I think I Holland like. as a character is much better than some of these other guys. But I think it's just a different set of characters. You know, there's not this is mentioned before, but in the original record, everybody's kind of a uh, you have that freeloader skater style, so to speak. And mm-hmm. then in this show, you've got more of a military industrial complex type cast of characters. So yeah, almost like a much different feel to people. Almost like Nerve and uh, um, 
Evangelion, you know, they're like you said, more militarized. Definitely. You've got the commercial industrial complex in Generation Blue, you've got the military complex in Japan forces and the Allied forces. So, yeah, you don't you don't only have that third, like you said, skater skater type faction that's just easy going, they just do what they want type type of group yet. Yeah, well you've seen them once. Yep. And then they disappeared, you know. Now in this episode we see a secret head that is as I like to think, being auctioned off, but they're just demonstrating <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, look at this showpiece. <laughs> they go great in your living room. Yeah, and they figure out a way to get it to sort of give a voice and just basically say yes or no or anything like that. But then after you see Han and Pippo basically hacking the system, your George gets take over, taken over by the secret, and then the secret starts talking and brings more thought to the quote that Eureka said from a couple episodes ago about that the secret are not the enemy, and then they go on to explain that the secret are trying to destroy the Scud Coral because it doesn't belong in the world. Yeah, and, like yeah. they're cleansing the world. <laughs> in, their, in their opinion, that's what they're, they're fixing things, but everyone else think, treats them as you know, alien invaders. Like, you gotta get rid of them, they're, they're evil. Secretly, they're, they're really not. They're just there to clean things up. Is what, like, I, like I mentioned, that kind of they're getting rid of the cancer mm-hmm. on that in that world. That's what they call the scub birth, I guess. Which is it's interesting too. The the secrets are definitely more advanced. If you noticed in this in this episode fifteen later on, the weapons used by the secrets are a lot like the weapons built in Venirvash. Mm-hmm. They're laser weapons, not bullet and ammo type weapons. So mm-hmm. it makes you wonder. Yeah, the secrets are actually what they say they are. They're created by somebody for a specific purpose. Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely mimicking the look of the IFOs, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, there's a uh, there's almost a Skynet type mentality to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see where that's going to go now that they can accurately communicate with the secret. Oh yeah, definitely. I've heard a theory, and I might get this guy's quote wrong, but he was basically saying something how the scub coral don't belong in this world and that's the secret's purpose is to get rid of it. Right. I think that's pretty much correct with that. Yeah. This, okay. This world or this time frame? This time frame. See, that's the thing where it gets really tricky is... Yeah. Because if it's, if it's the correct world but just too early in time for them to appear... Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe like that. They're, they're not ready for this type of thing right now. So, <laughs> yeah, giving them like I guess the wrong technology, the wrong time, maybe. Do we want to talk some about the battle this week against their, the the secret creature? And yeah, I was saying, you know, with that one, uh, Ale gets kind of <laughs> owned really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. goes in charging, which he probably shouldn't have done, but uh, that's just how he is. I think. Yeah, he's gotten so used to it and wins. He's he's getting all cocky and is. Uh, Nervosh, but uh, the roles quickly reversed in from like an early episode with him and Chloe waiting in the hospital room. Definitely. I was like, they're kind of a bonding moment right there, but you know, I think she's just looking out for him. Like she said, mid combat, like you said, the, you know, things are different now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one in the bed, not me. And of course, it's kind of a return, returning the favor moment. You know, you, you sat in the room with me, I'll sit in the room with you. Right. And share a little bit of information with you. Nice yeah. to see some camaraderie, even though Goldilocks is still worthless on the battlefield. 
They don't really do much. <laughs> right. They're the Krillin of uh, the series. They just get owned. <laughs> like, oh, they show up. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> yeah, they get owned by Ferris wheels. Any other quick notes from 15 before we talk about some random humorous uh, stuff? Yeah, let's talk say, about... Go ahead, sorry. i say the humanoid form of the secrets and how they're t- taking a form that looks very similar to when Truth did before he mm-hmm. was changed into his current form. Yeah, all we're all wondering if they're, if they're going to eventually all become like Truth, where they're actually humanoid looking. In fact, they're building Blade, up legs, like arms, head, things like that. Yeah. yeah skin and everything. Like a blend, blending mm-hmm. with uh, the humans. <laughs> that would be scary. That would be kind of weird. I'm waiting yeah, for that so, like, little reveal like that. So are we allowed to kind of talk about some of the dialogue then? Yeah. Coming into this? So one of the interesting things was in the dialogue between the secret and Generation Blue, the secret specifically mentions an event from 10 years ago. The same event where uh, Eureka fought the secret then and the secret eventually turns into what we think is true. But he mentions that event specifically and how that's the impacting point for what's going on today. Ivica unfortunately cuts him off so you never hear the end of that dialogue piece. Mm-hmm. But that brings up an interesting point of what did Eureka do at that point that changed the secret's behavior? I mean, she ended up taking that that piece of crystal and disappeared, which was the basis for all of Generation Blue's operation. Right. And that's where you see the episode end, where they have all those crystals and they're going to bring them down to draw all the secrets to one point. So if the secret, so if the secrets are there to destroy the crystal and remove the scub, so what happened in previous before there was things like Generation Blue and stuff? Because they've showed historical samples where there were secrets from the 1700s, you know, 300 years before. Yeah. In uh, so Philadelphia. Was, yeah, the Philadelphia one, the one looked like a swan. So what was happening then that's different now, and how does that all tie together seems to be a very interesting point that they haven't elaborated on to some depth yet. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is if maybe the Secret Secret have the ability to jump time. You know, they can, that's like a, for like an alien thing, they can just, maybe they appear randomly in time. Well, they are exi- yeah, see, they are exiting that same burst, which... Eureka comes out of that burst, the scub comes out of that burst. Everything that's involved with time travel is in that pink column of light. So whatever's the creation of that time portal, the secrets could be coming from any time frame if that's true. Mm-hmm. And it also looks like you can eat, you have a nearbosh machine, you can also jump through those planes like Eureka's done several times. Well, she's come back. One time was by accident, for sure. Mm-hmm. She didn't purposely come back. Remember, because they buried the Gecko Go inside the... Uh, Scott Coral, and then she was there packing it in, and everything vanished, and she ended up, in the, you know, in 2012, so to speak. Right. Or 2020, so. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Well, uh, and now let's go on to our random moments from episodes 14 and 15. From 14, uh, Al catches Eureka in midair. A little bit of a shout-out to the original Eureka 7. Oh, yeah, that that memorable scene where Renton catches Eureka as she's falling with the nearby pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. like, oh, shout out to them. It could be. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of counter to how earlier in the series Al did the same thing and Naru rejected it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So you've gotten one instance where he's rejected, the next instance where he's accepted. Uh, Noah digging through boxes, looking for books. Yeah, he's building up his uh, mental stuff, I think. <laughs> he's just going to yeah. like, start quoting some like Shakespeare or something eventually. He's gonna be. He's the hidden character of all this. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's the mastermind. He's he has the answers to everything. I mean, have you ever seen a sloth move that fast? I mean, come on. And yeah, he's something yeah. special. <laughs> oh Noah. Uh, extreme art production. 
with Eureka having her baby. Oh yeah, I know Luke, yeah. Luke was mentioning it, saying that the art on the animation seems crazy. It's pretty good. There's he was no asking me that... other, other shows that do that. I was like, only thing I can think of is Planet. Mm-hmm. No doubt that Bones had to pick it up for for especially thirteen and fourteen and, and some of fifteen. Oh, definitely. The the fa- it's all the facial expressions. Yeah, you know, I think it was twelve or thirteen when they had Truth like showing all his faces were just. They went crazy with it. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not worried about budget. Oh, definitely not. Uh, let's see here. Moving to episode 15. We talked about a couple things here already. Uh, more Noah being fun. Place hide and seek with Chloe. Chloe. <laughs> yeah, there's hide in there. And you see the top of her head and like, she's just the worst hide and seek player ever. <laughs> like, clearly we, can, we know it's you. And then we got Gazelle beyond some drugs. Give some sleeping pills, pills to Al. Yeah, to what, he's like, what, 13? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're handsome. I was wondering if that thing, when he, I thought he took the pill before going into combat, and that's probably why he got on. But I don't think he did. Nah, can't sleep but on yeah, the job. But yeah, because he was interesting. He's, he's kind of shifted since last episode. Mm-hmm. He's, now he's helping a lot more. Yeah, they went, they, they went from Al tackling Gazelle to Gazelle being his, his drug dealer. And helping them and saving them at the end there. Yeah, like yeah, rescue, yeah. Rescue, yeah that's, that's interesting how that dynamic has changed there a little bit to where Gazelle feels a sort of responsibility for Al. Yeah, he may, he's I like think, the older brother type. But it's all I think it's all part of his search for the truth, too. Uh-huh. His his persona has changed quite a bit ever since he encountered truth. Oh, definitely. He's, he's, very, he's driven towards a new cause, and I think him siding with Al and protecting Al is a part of that drive. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I said, it's still after he comes off as like the helpful older brother. He's just, you know watching out for him. So yeah, you, you could probably add him into the mix in the end as being that next that that other critical character to that catalyst to making something happen in these last few episodes. Speaking of that, Rebecca, she needs to do something. She hasn't really <laughs> been involved much of any. Yeah, she's good at punching computers though. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and pointing guns at people. Her, her true her true character hasn't been revealed yet. There was a time where when Gazelle was proposing becoming that little research group, she was sitting outside the door with a gun ready to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And she was the same so, way when they were talking about Eureka in the hallway that one time. Yeah, on the so gecko. She has a ulterior motive that still hasn't been revealed yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that still have, have so much to go into that we're only nine episodes left. And you know, every, there's so many questions that have to be answered. So in nine episodes, will not be enough to explain it all. Probably, Probably not, but they're going to have to. It's going <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's have to live with mama, some of the choices they make. That mama yeah, character, character still thinking that mama character is a little shady too. Mm-hmm. She's into something that she's not telling everybody. Well, the good thing about it is that there's so many things that have to be tied up mm-hmm. that the next nine episodes should be great. Yeah, uh, it should yeah. be just one thing after another hitting you. Mm-hmm. You know, where in the original series, 50 episodes, they could spread things out. Here, you don't have time to take three episodes to get to something. you got to do it two or one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to let the off the gas pedal and finish up. Because for the past three episodes, there's been some answers and then more questions in place of those answers. So that's probably the way it will be for the next maybe seven episodes. And the last two, we'll maybe get into answer-heavy dialogue heavy stuff yeah yeah but sad news about eureka 7 we're gonna have to wait 
not one, not two, but three weeks for episode 16. Taking a three week break because of the Olympic Games, the 30th at uh, yep. London. I think so, yeah. Which sucks. Like I was mentioning before, like, they could, I wish they picked something else, but oh well. That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Fleur is in the swimming competition in the Olympics. <laughs> right. Or Noah, you know, he's a pretty good swimmer. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Good time for maybe an OVA to come out. Right. Mm-hmm. There's you know, that one that. that's yeah. coming out with the game, the Blu-ray, but that's in September, so that's yeah. a ways off. All right, and I believe that wraps up the Owl Mini Talk for 14 and 15. Joe, thanks so much for joining us with this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Can, you want to... Plug your sites and stuff once more so, on Twitter. So like j mentioned at the beginning, I am a uh, staff writer for We Remember Love. I write alongside Ghost Lighting. You can read our Eureka 7 post there. I do the main topic, and then Ghost fills in with his panels, which are always a blast. <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> Char gave I'm... it a 999999 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you get a chance, go to We Remember Love. It's ghostlightning.wordpress.com and check out those panels. He uh he does them not only for Eureka but a bunch of other shows. It's a lot of fun. It's a good addition. But do and read just... Joe's writing above all that. Yes, do read my if you <laughs> if you do so dare read my writing and take in what random tidbits I throw because a lot of times this show just confuses the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on Tuesday night I do a live stream where I have bloggers from bloggers, anime enthusiasts from around the the globe actually come on and we talk about different topics. We allow people to chat in and ask questions of my guests and it's a lot of fun. We have a show. It's every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And you can find that as a either podcast or a video later in the week once I get it all saved and uploaded at joeanimated.wordpress.com. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So let's close out the podcast now for Fosh, for Joe, I'm Jero, and we'll see you next month, unfortunately. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you.